Hello, welcome to Be With The Word. I am Dr. Jerry Crete, licensed marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Dr. Peter Melanowski, clinical psychologist here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Great to see you, Dr. Peter. Great to see you, Dr. Jerry. It is great to be here. We have a great episode. And uh, today we're really talking about um, being lost and how to be found, I suppose. And so uh, we're not actually lost. And what's very cool about these readings is that we get a glimpse into what it means to be affirmed, even what it means to be named, the true identity of Christ, which kind of ends up speaking to who our true identity is. So I'm really excited about today's episode. Um, Links in a bunch of things uh, that we've been talking about for months now. By the way, this is episode 40. Buddy, we're doing it. (laughs) 40, 40 episodes, right. It is exciting to think that we have been doing this since the end of November of 2019. So yeah, we have come a long way. And I love the title, No Longer Lost. So this is episode 40, Be With The Word, No Longer Lost. So like, I'm just curious, let's just leap into this, Dr. Jerry. Like what, when you read these readings, I'm really, I'm thinking here, what leapt out to you? Like what just caught your attention? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for me, I I, I was really excited about the gospel itself. I mean, all okay. the readings were fascinating. I was really interested in why in the first reading we have this odd dude, uh, Elio <laughs> Kim, yeah, and and that he's being given, he's being, he's he's replacing the previous guy in a big way, like God literally saying, "You're out, buddy." Elio Kim is in. And I'm going to give you the robe. I'm going to give you the sash. I'm going to make you the dude. I'm going to give you the everything you say goes. So yeah. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. It made me think, I bet we're heading into the gospel. And <laughs> disappointed by that. And um, But then this really interesting passage in Romans that ends up being like this poem. You know, St. Paul's like just reciting this almost poem like for who has known the mind of the lord or who has been his counselor you know or who has given the lord anything that he may be repaid and then for from him and through him are all things like it's just a beautiful passage about god so i was moved by that but i I was wondering how it might even fit and then of course we have the great passage right of peter being given the keys to the kingdom of heaven, right? And of course, every Catholic apologist knows this passage, you know, and how it might relate to the the papacy and Bishop of Rome and all that, which we're not really going to get into at all today. But but it's just, that's why it's so well known, right? Because it's a hotly debated between Catholics and Protestants and all this as to what it really means. But I am moved, okay, I'm really moved by this idea of affirmation, because in the first, even in, in, in Isaiah, we have this nobody guy being affirmed as the new, basically, steward of the house of Israel. And then we have Jesus saying, who do you say I am? And when Peter knows who he is, and he says, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. Then Jesus turns around and says to Peter, you, Simon, son of John, you are Peter. And upon this, on this rock, I will build my church. So he gives him 
he tells them who he is. So that really got me to wanting to explore this topic of who we are. Because most, in my clinical practice, I would say in the work that I do, um, I would I don't know, I'm making up a statistic here, but I would say 90% or more of people ultimately don't know who they are. And they're coming in lost because they don't have a sense of their true identity. Right, right. That makes sense to me. I, I see a fair amount of identity issues as well, and it's all bound up with our relationships, right? We learn who we are, not by sort of intensive self-study, not by just inwardly focusing, but we learn who we are in relationship, right? So that's what's going on in the gospel, right? There's this relationship and a sharing of identities. And one thing that really struck me in the gospel was that, you know, Peter he said, you know, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He didn't understand all the implications of that. He didn't really grip onto all of it, but he didn't have to be perfect, right? He didn't have to understand like all of the implications, you know, all of the potential there, like what that all really meant for, uh, for, for Christ to respond in such a positive way and to grant unto him the, the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because it seems to me that the answer, like you said, it's not about knowing all about Jesus. It's about knowing him. And at such a deep level, Peter somehow, right, not revealed by, you know, flesh, as they say, as he says there, but he, he on a deeper level knew who Jesus was. And it was in knowing truly who Jesus was that then that was returned to him. Well, and being known by, I mean, this is one of those things that's so important in, in development, the development of identity, even in infants, right? Infants and toddlers is that we learn who we are through the eyes of another, right? We take in who others, quote, know us to be. And so when there are disruptions in that, and there always are, even if you have great parents, there's, there's going to be these moments, there's going to be these attachment injuries, there's going to be these relational hurts, there's going to be things that build up, um, you know, where there are going to be distortions uh, in us understanding who we really are. So I think in a really deep sense, we're all lost, right? You know, Jesus said that he came to seek out the lost sheep of Israel, right? Um, and so this whole idea of being lost and found yeah. is, a, is a really central one. So I do want to say before we get much further that in a little bit, I'm going to walk us through a little experiential activity that I use with a lot of clients, and it's based on Ignatian prayer. And so I hope you stick with us and to do that exercise. So I just want to plug that because we're about at the seven minute mark and i know some people stay with us the whole time some people are driving and doing things but this is one you definitely want to stick around for <laughs> right that's great uh, so so i guess i'm really interested in making a bunch of links here and and i'm really been sitting with this idea of jesus calling peter a rock you know, and of course, there's that play on words because he says, you know, in Greek, Petros or whatever, you're Petros. And upon this Petra, I make my church. So it's like a play on words that his name literally means rock. And I think it's fascinating because, of course, God the Father, who in, you know, as St. Paul is saying in the reading in Romans, is the creator, sustainer of the universe, is often described in the Old Testament as a rock. 
rock, rock and foundation. And so we know God the Father is our rock, right, in a most supreme way. Then we see, we know Christ is described as the cornerstone, you know, that the builder rejects. So in a sense, gets rejected by obviously Israel, but but it, he's he Christ is the foundation and rock of the entire of our church, ultimately, right? So so Peter, so Jesus is, but then you so so that's so to call Peter a rock, that's like a crazy dignity, like to say you're the rock. I make you the rock. Like in other words, you're, and it's based on the fact that he just called him. He he knew he was Christ, and so he said, "You are like the first. You're like the the beginning of this church. I'm, you know, you are, and 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 to give him um, the keys and all that, it's like plus." <laughs> well, and, and let's remember who Peter was, right? Peter was by profession yeah. a Galilean fisherman. Right. This was not somebody from the high echelons of, 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 of society. You know, the very provincial people, Galileans, were looked down upon, mocked for their accent in Jerusalem, not considered a, a, learned, a learned person or an educated person in any sense. You know, and that was also the case of Eliakim, um, you know, the, 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 um, the one who rose to prominence in the house of of Hezekiah, right? And, you know, under King Hezekiah. So God is taking ordinary people, people that are very flawed, people that are very um, imperfect and, uh, and, and, and showing them who they really are in his eyes, in his eyes. And, you know, our true identity is not how we see ourselves. Our true identity is how God sees us. Yeah. And that's something that 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 can be very hard to to really grip onto experientially. In fact, we can only do that in relationship with God. Yeah. Yeah. You know what hit me too in the in the readings that kind of goes with that in the response is he says, You are the work of our, his hands. Now, it actually didn't hit me the first time through, but when we were reading it on Hear the Word, mm-hmm. right, uh, I was going, oh, wow, we're the work of his hands. So our identity is not based on things we do, accomplish this and that by the fact, but it's based on the fact that we're literally cr- created by him. Right? Like works of art. Yeah. Yeah. Like works of art. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's beautiful imagery, Dr. Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. So fascinating. You know, I want to point something else out too, just that it's interesting because of course I did a little research and as I know you did too on on various things. And one thing that was interesting to me was this area of Caesarea Philippi, which is where they went. And so for whatever reason, this is outside of the regular territory. We already saw before, like I think it was last week was Tyre incident. So they he was going outside of the normal places and now he's literally even outside of the territory of Herod. And he, I think it's Philip the Tetrarch or something is, is the one who's governor of this area. And they're in a town that is known to have many temples of Baal that is known to be like, there's some kind of cave there where the God, the Greek God or whatever, or Roman God Pan was, originated there was even like a cave yeah like there was a cave to to that guy that was well known it was a legend that the jordan sprang from that cave so they're literally jesus like you said this this 
unknown, like Jesus and his 12 disciples were nobodies, right? In a sense, um, they, they, Jesus was a homeless guy, practically like a carpenter, these 12 fish, like fishermen and various, like they were not kings and royalty and aristocrats and governors or anything. And, and it's so, what was striking me for the first time that might, the casual reader might miss is that he went to a place that where there was a lot of grandeur, like Herod had made these white marble temples in honor. Oh yeah. And another temple was put there by Herod um, in honor of Caesar. And it was a, te- a Caesar as God. Cause they saw this Caesar by this point as right. like a godlike fi- figure. So we have these gods of antiquity, whether it's Baal or the Pan or even Caesar, the background is all these world religions and, 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 and the power of Rome and all this business. And yet this is the place where Jesus and 12, his 12 disciples, where Jesus is, re- is revealed, like his name by Peter as being the son of God, right? being the Christ. So the backdrop of this revelation is like, and, and it is like a magnificence that no one could ever have imagined would all get toppled. Right. Because so there's no, there's none of that exists today. Nobody worships Baal anymore. Nobody believes that the Caesars are gods anymore. You know, that's all washed away. But, you know, the uh, what's what's left are the words of Peter and the words of Jesus. And the identity of Peter and the identity of Jesus. Right. And so th- to me, that's so interesting countercultural because the point also, I think that, and you were making Dr. Peter a moment ago, right, was, was that these are just, these would have been seen as nobodies and Elie Keem would have been seen as a nobody, but God takes the nobodies in the face of all this stuff and says, you are precious. Right. You are a work of my hands. And then we see another passage, you are a temple of the Holy to Christians, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a living stone. So that where I, that's where I wanted to go, because we have God as a rock, Christ is a cornerstone, Peter has said it to be a rock. We are called living stones. Right. And the power well, and, Yeah. Sorry. And Peter and Peter also tells us that in another place that we are partakers of the divine nature. Like that, that's like stunning, right? He he was granted these insights and he had the courage and the inspiration, the, the inspiration and then the courage to follow that inspiration to proclaim who Jesus really was. Yeah. And Peter then and then and then Jesus in turn proclaimed who he really was, right? So they're doing this in relationship, right? This wasn't something that Peter figured out on his own. Right. It wasn't that he came to some conclusions based off of a complex reasoning process. He came to it in relationship. Yeah. No, I like that. You know, it's so funny. And I'm, I'm anticipating, right, some people saying, well, that's nice. Like, we have this amazing dignity that seems unbelievable. Right. But, but I don't feel that. I don't feel it. Right. And that is so common. And there could be a number of reasons why people don't feel it. It can be because we we really are lost and we don't really know who we are. But there also, I also think it's important to remember, Dr. Jerry, that we can also be just in a period of desolation where our emotional experience, our affective experience doesn't actually match 
where we really are spiritually or where we're, where we really are psychologically either. Right. So, so that it can be, it can be kind of complicated there uh, to, to, to sort out, okay, what is consolation, desolation on the one hand, what's going on in the spiritual realm and what's going on psychologically. But if you don't ever feel this way, right. If you don't ever feel like you are a beloved son or daughter of God, a beloved child of God, if you don't ever have a sense of being a living stone of being a partaker of the divine nature, you know, we're here to actually help you take a look at what may be going on psychologically. And this doesn't mean that you've got some sort of diagnosable psychological disorder. This is just part of the mess that, that was created. That was created, you know, in the Garden of Eden with original sin and all of its effects, complicated by the sins of others and exacerbated by our own personal sins. So, yeah. So that's where the experiential activity that we want to do might really help to get there, because I know that for some of us, um, that affirmation of who we truly are really either didn't come from others right? Like, like typically we are affirmed by our parents, you know, it might be from our earthly father, it might be from a mentor and, 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 but some of us receive very little of that. And I think when that, when that is not received, it becomes really difficult to relate. And then especially if also, if there's been a lot of sin in your life, if there's been a lot of health, uh, you know, um, struggles, uh, a lot of challenges, a lot of, you know, you might like fail a failed marriage or a difficulty getting through school or something like this, that, that you're going, well, how, how am I truly this, this living stone? How am I a partaker in the divine nature? My life a mess. And we may, and we may have a parts that actually, um, you know, that actually think that that's not true. You know, that actually deny that. Not that, not that we, as Catholics we would profess to deny it, but that it just feels like it's just not true. And it can be easy to default to those kinds of impulses or to those kinds of emotions. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the things that I think about is um, loving ourselves by bringing ourselves into relationship with, with our Lord and with our Lady so that we can learn who we really are. And that's why I'm excited about the exercise that you're, that you're proposing for this, mm-hmm. for this podcast. And I do think it's important that people remember that while, uh, Dr. Jerry, you use some of this stuff clinically, and while I use some things like this clinically, this is part of Ignatian prayer. Mm-hmm. And so it is, there's nothing uniquely uh, clinical about this. This isn't psychotherapy. We don't do psychotherapy at Souls and Hearts for any of our, our, any of our uh, activities, but, but that there are things within the prayer tradition uh, in our church, in the Catholic church that really help people with this. So, so, um, so I think it's going to be a, a really great exercise. It, this again, you might want to think about doing this. Um, if you're driving right now, you might want to think about doing this later, you know, uh, taking the time out to do this exercise when you've got uh, a chance to really focus on it. Um, because I think it could be really deep and meaningful for many of you. Yeah. Do you think we're ready to give it a try? I think so. And now I'm, I'm willing. So, so Dr. Jerry, my understanding is you're going to do this in a way that, uh, that's for a general sort of a general audience. Right. Yeah. So I'm just going to go along. I mean, it's, I'm just going to go along with what you're doing. All right. I'm just going to actually do it with our audience. I'll be, I'll be taking this in with, 
with the audience. So it's good. Um, All right. It's just a little meditation. And I'm actually going to focus on the baptism of the Lord. And I know that was a while ago liturgically, but there's so you'll see why it ties in. Um, and uh, so really just take a moment if you can okay. to get comfortable. So if you're not in a comfortable place or if you're doing dishes or, uh, you know, cleaning or something, then uh, take a moment and just try to get into a comfortable chair, whatever works for you. Um, And again, like we usually ask, take a moment to just breathe, like notice your breath. Because a lot of times we're busy, we're doing things, our minds are going in multiple directions, our breathing is very shallow. So if that's the case, take just a moment to fill your whole lungs, like breathe from deep down, fill up so that even your belly gets raised up as you breathe in. Hold it and just breathe out slowly. You might need to do that a few times just to kind of get to a good place. You can have your eyes open or closed for this. Some people really like their eyes closed because it helps them to be able to imagine a little better. So I'm going to ask you to just take a moment and imagine that you are teleported back in time. And you're one of the many people standing by the river Jordan. And uh, you can take in all the different uh, sites there. You can see the water. You can see John the Baptist who's standing in the water and Jesus is with him, noticing all the crowds on the side. And notice things like the sunlight, the warmth against your skin. Notice the different smells. There's a lot of different smells going on because there's probably some fishy smell and there's just the all the people and, and a lot of bustle. So you're here smelling the, the, the sounds uh, of a crowd, smells of a crowd, and the different sounds, people moving around and the water itself and, and so on. And I'm going to do something a little different, right? Because we know that um, Jesus calls us, St. Paul calls us children of God. You can imagine that in this moment, Jesus invites us, invites you to join him. So we're imagining being called out. And he knows every mistake we've made. He knows all of our qualities and he knows all of our flaws. He knows our messiness, but he calls you anyway. He just says, come. You can really try to see his hand his arm reaching out to invite you. And as you imagine yourself coming, you know, stepping down into the water, you can feel the coolness of that water, how your feet and legs are getting wet. <laughs> and if you're wearing some kind of robe or, or some kind of clothing, they're getting wet too and feeling that heaviness. But I'd also really like you to look and see Jesus. Just notice his eyes, his welcoming face. 
and see John the Baptist there too. He's just inviting you to be really close. And as John the Baptist even approaches Jesus, you know, and we hear that exchange where John says he's not worthy, you know, uh, to unstrap his sandals, and Jesus says, you know, this, this must be done. So John baptizes Jesus with the water. We're really close by. We're able to be there. He's inviting us into this moment. And in this beautiful, powerful moment, we see literally the clouds open up. We just feel the warmth of God's presence. We see that beautiful dove. We hear that voice. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And those are the words God the Father speaks to Jesus because he's calling him to begin his ministry. But Jesus has invited us to participate. So we know God the Father is also speaking to us. You are my beloved son or daughter, my beloved child, in whom I am well pleased. I just invite you to allow those words to enter your heart. If there's any part of you that has a difficult time hearing it, it's okay. Just acknowledge that it can be difficult. It can be hard to believe. But if at our center we're able to really accept those words that despite our mistakes and our imperfections, God wants us to know who we truly are. He wants us to begin our day knowing who we really are, that we're beloved, that we're precious, that we're a living stone. He wants us to partake in the divine nature. He invites us. He calls us to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's who are true dignity, true identity, true self is. And he's calling us to live out of that place. And he's excited and del delighted to find out how we want to live that out. And so we Take in those words one more time and try to breathe them in, letting ourselves really receive them, the power and dignity of those words, you are my beloved child, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. Let us truly accept that we are the work of his hands. This God who is unsearchable, inscrutable, through him, 
for him all things were made. This mystery, this God that is almost unknowable, has reached out to call to us, who has made us and he's called to us to be that child of God. And so we have to hold that in our hearts, keep that in a place that we can return to. Maybe we want to return to it every day, maybe a few times a day, to allow it to be what inspires us in our lives, that informs us in our lives, that calls us to live up to that great dignity. And so we gently kind of imagine ourselves again back into the crowd and maybe imagining ourselves back into the present moment, noticing exactly what might be going on right now with our bodies. If we're, you know, if we notice any tension, we'll notice it. If we notice that we're deeply relaxed, we'll just be aware of that. Noticing again our breath, returning to our breath. And as we're ready, we're going to return to the present moment. We can open our eyes if they're closed. We can just uh, notice our surroundings. <laughs> and perhaps take stock in what, what we experience. All right, Dr. Peter. Wow. How was that, that for was you? That was interesting. You've, you know, we've done some stuff together in the past, but this was really interesting because for me, I had a very clear visual image of um, of our Lord and John the Baptist in the river with the sun behind them, like late in the day. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, what was striking to me was that the sense that actually Jesus actually liked me. Right? Yeah. We can also think about the love of Jesus, you know, um, but that, you know, that he actually liked me uh, and that he um this wasn't a, a sort of uh you know christian charity in the sense of like willing my highest good you know which means correcting my faults and you know routing out my imperfections and you know polishing me up to make me a more finished work of art um uh, but that he liked me uh in that moment and that was the most sort of powerful thing there was a lot of warmth there and um you know, that was not something that was a lot that was really prominent for me um, in my experience of Jesus growing up. I had a hard time, for example, ever dealing with the uh, the crucifixion because it, it just brought up a lot of like, oh, you know, I did this right. I'm mm. I'm I'm, you know, responsible. So the idea that, you know, that he would want to be with me um, and would like me is something that, you know, was really powerful for me. Wow. And that was what was coming out of it for me. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. I'm going to take that. I've got, I'm going to do some more prayers today and I want to, I want to go back to that imagery Mm -hmm. um, because I think it's important that we pray as it's really important for me to pray as a whole person, which means it's not just with, it's not just with my mind, but with my heart, you know, with my senses you know, with, uh, with, uh, 
with my body, you know, kind of being much more engaged. And that's what that image-based prayer that you were, you know, inviting us to mm-hmm. um, really fosters. Yeah. So. No, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, the first time I encountered anything like this was a, a book by Gloria Hutchinson, I think, um, Six Ways to Pray with Six Great Saints. And in it, she kind of does similar things, you know, like, uh, right. I forget now, I think she may do one with the baptism. She does one, I want to say with, um, uh, the, the upper room where Jesus washes the feet of the apostles or the, maybe she goes through the whole last supper, but uh, it was the first time, and this was early nineties or something that I actually like learned to pray this way. Uh, and that it had been, and that her, she was inspired by Ignatius and other uh, other saints. And since then I've been reading, you know, this and that on that, but I think her stuff is still kind of really good. She does a lot of retreat books called it like a retreat with, and then it's like St. Anthony of Padua or St. Therese of Lisieux or somebody. And, and she has a whole series, I think. Um, anyway, so, so no, I'm, uh, thank you so much for sharing how that hit you. Cause I think different people are going to be hit in different ways. Right. Well, and, and I think even if even if it's difficult, right, because sometimes, you know, people have difficulty with this kind of prayer, mm-hmm. you know, there can be like clues about what might be you might be struggling with with the particular difficulties that present themselves. So I'm also going to encourage you to talk with somebody about your prayer, you know, to have somebody that you can share these things with. It might be a confessor. It might be a spiritual director, a spiritual advisor. It might be a friend. It might be your spouse. But I think sometimes in just putting these experiences into words and sharing them with somebody else, uh, there can be uh, greater insights as to what's going on. So I think that's really important as well. It could be your therapist if you have a Catholic therapist or a Christian therapist that you're going to see. So Yeah, or spiritual director or whatnot. Right. I, and, and, you know, we love to hear your experiences too. So there's right. comments on YouTube you can make if you're listening on YouTube or you can go right to our uh, our website and, and make comments or whatnot. So we would love to yeah, hear your We want to hear from you. We want to hear – this, this whole Souls and Hearts endeavor is not just about sharing information. It's not just about nourishing your mind. We really want to be working with you as whole people, you know, mind, heart, soul, and body, uh, the whole person. And it's not just about, you know, hearing interesting things and being entertained. It's about, it's about transformation. This is, this is really about helping you on the journey. You know, we really want to be with you on on your journey in, in whatever way we're called to be, in whatever way you'll let us be, you know, as as we together walk that hard road. And, um, you know, and so so, you know, it's not just oh, an interesting podcast, you know, like I would listen to just like a number of other interesting podcasts. We really want there to be these elements where there's this deep change. So, yeah. And, and this whole question of who we are. You know, that we're not, you know, we're, we're, sometimes we're lost and we need to really discover our true self and what is our real identity and all this. Um, if you're struggling with that, if you're really ex- wanting to explore that, I'd also encourage you to check out our course, our vocations course. It's called Be Called. And um, and that is where, and I'm on there, and uh, but it's uh, led by Dr. Mark Glavke, who's a clinical psychologist who works with a lot of seminarians and other people doing discernment work. Uh, yeah. I would encourage you to check out that course. It's on our soulsandhearts.com website. And uh, I mean, there's a, there's a fee for taking that course, but I think you'll get a lot out of it. There's, it really deals with like living a life worth living 
and how to remove all those different obstacles, whatever it might be, whether it's anxiety issues or pornography issues or whatever, whatever's keeping you from figuring out your vocation. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think it's really important that you, that you also share this with folks, right? If you, most of you know somebody that could benefit from be with the word or that would benefit from in the blogs or the other things that we do at souls and hearts, uh, the coronavirus crisis, Carpe Diem podcast, let, share some of that, you know, let people know, send them a little email, you know, give them a little text, send them a link. And then of course we really are helped. I understand almost none of this, but I am told by good authority that if you, sh- if you share and, and, and subscribe and what other, what else are you supposed to do? Like, like us, right? Subscribing are better than liking, but we'll take the likes. We'll take take the likes, but subscribe, you know, and you know, and if you are if you are on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Play, you know, go ahead and register the register with us on there too, so that you can you can have that feed as well. So, and if you're not registered with Souls and Hearts, you can do that. You'll get our weekly updates, you know, our weekly uh, our weekly um, our weekly email notices, and that's at soulsandhearts.com. Lots of free resources there as well. So, yeah. Well, Dr. Peter, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed the little meditation. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. I'm actually going to be praying in not too long, so so I'm going to go back to that imagery. I'm appreciative of that, Dr. Jerry. Yeah. I mean, it's just, to me, it's like the foundation of who we are as Christians. And it's literally what Christ does to Peter is he, he, he really affirms him. Yeah. And, and so that he would know who he was and then go out. And even Peter, as we know, doesn't do it perfectly all the time. It takes a while, but he, but he's given that this foundation. There's a steep learning curve for, for Peter, right? You have, you have the, you know, the, the get behind me Satan episode when he is like trying to convince Jesus not to be crucified. You have the, uh, the, the abandonment, right. And, uh, in, in the garden of Gethsemane where he flees, you have, you know, all kinds you have, even after the the son of the Holy spirit, when he was strengthened by the Holy spirit, you have errors that he's committing that St. Paul has to correct in the acts of the apostles, you know, about, uh, about the, the circumcision uh, controversy. So there's, there's all kinds of, you know, ways that Peter was still struggling. And that's what's so heartening to me is we don't have to be anything like perfect. We're going to be gloriously imperfect. We're going to be heartily um, far from, from where we, from, from perfection, but that's okay. God understands that. And I think that's one of the things that just the, the gentleness and that compassion and that care, you know, that, 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 something that we so need um, and will help us move from being a lost soul to a soul that's found. So. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, Dr. Peter, I really enjoyed your time with you. This has me. been great. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Jerry. And enjoy this time with all of you. Enjoy your comments too. And sometimes we get emails and YouTube comments. So keep them coming. We love to, to hear you. And if you want to be part of our community, uh, the Carpe Diem, uh, uh, resilient Catholics, right? Yeah, resilient Catholics, Carpe Diem. There's a lot of people working on their God images in there right now. It's actually a really exciting time. We've got a new app that helps us communicate together, so you can check that out. The Resilient Catholics Carpe Diem um, uh, community is uh, built around the podcast Coronavirus Crisis Carpe Diem, which I do on a weekly basis, and we're doing a lot of God image work right now. So sounds good. Yeah. All right, hey, Dr. Peter. All right, Dr. Jerry. Bill. Believe, be loved.
Take good care. God bless you all.